With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Jeff Hartman here, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for another episode of the Steelers post game show. That's right. I kind of am happy. I wasn't happy about 30 minutes ago. And that's because the Steelers improbable come from behind win over the Jacksonville Jaguars equates to their sixth straight win. And there's a lot to digest. There's a lot to talk about. And to do that, I bring my co-host on my friend and colleague, Lance Williams. Lance, how's it going? And what are your knee jerk reactions on this game? What's up listeners first of all the ghost face stealer is back yes the mask is on i want to thank i can't remember the guy's name who challenged me to wear the mask on twitter but the mask is back my knee-jerk reaction is football's a 60-minute game you don't win games at halftime when the clock goes zero 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 you look in the scoreboard and you see who wins and it turned out to be the pittsburgh steelers Absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing is, is this is very common for uh, my family, at least, is that I have a group text uh, between my brother and my father, uh, typically during the games and as dismal as it was and as bad as it was. And I run the Twitter feed for behind the steel curtain during the games. I kept on saying they're only down nine to nothing. Now, did the Steelers defense get gassed early in the game by the run? Yeah, in a bad way to the tune of over 100 yards in the first half. But they kept them in the game by making key stops on third down and red zone stops, forcing them to field goals. To me, Lance, this game, if there's ever been a game this season that I say this one's on the defense, they did a tremendous job. 
I'm putting it out saying this one, right? Am I wrong in thinking that, or do you agree? I think in the first half, I mean, you're right. If you hold teams to field goals and you don't score touchdowns, you can keep yourself in the game, particularly with a quarterback like Blake Bortles, who they're not going to trust to open it up. But the first half was bad defensively. They were getting gashed in the running game. They just played well in some situational football opportunities. But the one thing that they did do in the first half is they did not allow any red zone opportunities, which was key. And and that's what it is with the running game. If you're going to run the ball like Jacksonville did, you have to score touchdowns. And if you don't, you're going to keep teams in it. So, I mean, this was an uneven game. Um, You know, I'd have to look at the All-22 to see what they did differently in the second half. But that loss of two, it really showed in the first half. But they stayed the course and, you know, they kept them in the game. Absolutely. And it was definitely a game where there was a time where and and with this Steelers offense that came into this game averaging over 30 points, I believe the number was 31. You're sitting there, you're thinking, man, they're only down. They're only down by nine points. And they're only down by, you know, at one point it was uh, 16 to, was it 16 to six? It's only 10 points. It's two scores. And, and I'm sitting there and it felt insurmountable. It, it, did you did you feel that, Lance? Because I know I did, and I know I'm more fanish than you are, if that's a word. Um, but did you feel the same way, or were you kind of thinking, you know, this team could turn it around on a dime? No, I thought they were going to win. And on Twitter, I said it even at the end of halftime, I thought they would win the football game. And I thought they would win the football game because I didn't think that Jacksonville was going to get away from them in the game. So, so I thought they were going to win the football game. I thought they just had to be patient and be able to string some plays together. And once they were able to stop the running game, I thought they could be in it. When they failed to convert some things in the second half, when it got down 16-6, I was like, wow, you know, they just might get beat by the clock. If they have, you know, a little more time, I think they win this. But they were able to win it. And I think this sure this football team that they were able to bounce back on the road against a, a, a opponent a pretty well against them. Yeah, so let's talk about this win in terms of generalities or in general terms. The Steelers now are 7-2-1. and one. Uh, The Jaguars basically, I would say, I mean, would you not agree that this 3-7 and seven start for them has them on the outside looking into the AFC playoff picture? I mean, can a 3-7 and seven team, you would have to run the table just to have a winning record. They basically ended their season, in my opinion. You agree or disagree with that? Yeah, they're out of it uh, because I think both the Colts and Houston won today. So they're out of it. Yes, and I'll tell you what, it's it's just this is a big win for Pittsburgh. And this reminded me of a win similar to a lot that happened last year, uh, wins where there's always the fan reaction of, yeah, but. Um, It's the great win, but. Great win, but Ben played like crap. Great win, but this is Tomlin coaching down to opponents. Great win, but the Jaguars' offense is awful. Great win, but the Blake Bortles, they don't trust them. Whatever the case is, we've said it a million times on this show, Lance. Ugly wins are part of life in the NFL. And to be honest with you, I would think that this is probably the Steelers' first ugly win of the season. And I'm no one should have to apologize about this. The Steelers had nothing going. Credit to the Jaguars' defense. I thought they had a tremendous scheme in place, and they do have a really good defense. People keep forgetting that. And I talked about this on our preview show. 
and you mentioned it on our standard is the standard Wednesday show. And that is that even though they were three and six entering this game, this defense is still really good. And I, I, I was, I can't imagine like the, the Ravens at one point when the Steelers played them were the number one ranked defense. The, to me, the Jaguars defense is light years a, a, a better than Baltimore's defense. From top to bottom, the defensive line was getting pushed. The Steelers' offensive line, especially Matt Filer, has not been exposed yet. I'm not saying they were exposed. Filer, maybe, but not a good performance. Lance, what was your overall impression on the defense of the Jags going against the high-powered Steelers' offense? I thought they played a tremendous game until they got gassed late in the fourth quarter because they couldn't convert third downs on offense. I think finally it did show up, like you said, with Feeler getting exposed by Ndokwe. And we talked about that on our Wednesday show, how that was a critical matchup. Gilbert needs to come back. But to your point about winning and often saying, but after that, I think that 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 phrase should be replaced by the simple one, winning correct. You don't have to apologize for winning football games in the National Football League. It's too hard to do. Any win is a good win. They all count. Just ask Jacksonville. There are no, there are no moral losses in the National Football League. You just want to come away with wins, and they were able to do it. And this game came down to the trenches. And you could see the difference with no Gilbert, and you could see the difference with no Stephon Tewitt. Those are two critical pieces on this football team that you have to think if they're back, you have to like this team moving forward. Absolutely. And there's a lot of little key parts of this game, little key plays here and there that I want to touch on. But at first, let's go over our grades. It's what we typically do at the beginning of the show if you're a first time listener. And so what we do is we rattle off some statistics. We talk about uh, how we grade them. We grade on a one to four scale, uh, four being the best, one being the worst. And we do go uh, figure skating style. So we can do quarter points, half points, stuff like that. Let's start at the quarterback position. Ben Roethlisberger started oh, i'm not even going to talk about his start uh he ends up with 27 of 47 oh i'm sorry my guys hold on 27 of 47 for lost the page sorry about that 27 of 47 314 two touchdowns three picks he was only sacked twice i apologize i thought he was sacked more than twice and a rating of 65.4 lance this is gonna be a tough grade how do you grade ben roethlisberger scale from one to four First half, it was zero. I think we could all agree. Probably the first three quarters were probably a one. I think the fourth quarter was probably a four. So I'm going to give him a two overall grade in the game. That first half was abysmal. You know, it was one where I'm talking to my cousin during the game, and he's just flat out big up to Kamal. Kamal's like, they're in his head, and, you know, I want to disagree with it, but then I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to disagree because I'm big cuz, but I'm, you know, not texting him. I'm going, little cuz might be right. Uh, so I'm going to give him a two. It was a totally uneven game. Um, no, actually, I'm going to go a little bit lower than two. I'm going to go 1.75 because I don't think that the second half was a four. So I'm going to go 1.75 for the game for Ben Roethlisberger. I guess the question I ask myself is, does the game-winning drive, uh, which, I mean, everyone that's watching the game, even the announcers are talking about, you just got to get a field goal. You know, you got to get a field goal, send it to overtime. Next thing you know, Juju catches a pass well inside field goal range. 
was that drive good enough to supersede or overlook that awful, awful start? And I'm going to go with, man, and he even scored the game-winning touchdown. I'm going to go 2.75. 2.75 is my overall game grade for Ben. Um, definitely left a ton out there, but at the same time, made the plays necessary to win the football game. We haven't seen road Ben since week one against Cleveland in Cleveland. So I'm going to give him a grade of 2.75. We're not too far off there, Lance, with our grades, but um, this is Ben. If you followed him since 2004, this is Ben. He has games like last Thursday where he looks like he's a perfect passer rating. And then he has games like today where you just have these head scratching moments where you're thinking, holy cow. And I want to know, Lance, what was your thought on the interception that was negated by the penalty on Ryan Switzer down the goal line? I know I had flashbacks of the New England game in week 15 last year. Um, what were your thoughts as you saw the Jaguars player catch the catch the ball intercepted? You're thinking, man, he did it again. The penalty. I, I thought I saw him get tugged, actually, when I was watching the play. I'd have to look at it again, but I thought that I saw him get tugged. It was more so than I, a tug. He almost, ripped his, he almost ripped his helmet off. It was more than a tug. Yeah, yeah I thought it was going to be a penalty because a lot of times when, when quarterbacks make that throw and they throw an interception, it's often an interference call, tug, yeah, absolutely. to be honest. But, but, but I think one thing that stood out in the game for me is as good as Ben is for the running game. And I think what we saw is the formula is they've got to get Connor involved. They've got to run the football successfully for this team to be that 31 points per game scoring team. It, it has to include James Connor getting a steady diet of eating in the game. Yeah. And, you know, they tried to give it to him early and the Jaguars defense has just put out a blueprint now which is if you have the cornerbacks, and not every team does, but A.J. Bouye and, and uh, Jalen Ramsey are two very special players. If you have the cornerbacks to play press man and you can load the box up and stop James Conner, that's how you're going to frustrate the Steelers. They had, again, I, I can't say enough about how impressed I was with the game plan for the Jaguars and, and what they did with Miles Jack, an inside linebacker, and they knew they were always until that last drive, they were one step ahead of the Steelers. Um, you can give credit to great film prep. You can give it, they're a professional football team. This is the, this is a really good point. I always like to make these guys are all professionals. They were three and six. Did that team on the field defensively look like a three and six defense? Not to me. And it wasn't because the Steelers were playing awful. A lot of the awfulness was because of the Jaguars. I do want to mention that. Let's get to James Conner. You mentioned him. He finishes with nine carries for 25 yards, only a 2.8 average and a nine-yard long carry. The Steelers never were able to get him started, never able to get him going at all. The, the offensive line was getting pushed back in the first half. Um, it's tough to grade a running back when he doesn't have anywhere to go, but what are you grading James Conner today, Lance? I'm going to give James Conner a two because of the – Drop. I hope you guys saw that. The drop. I'm going to assume because of that. that could have been a touchdown. He got bailed out. But I'm going to be tough on James Conner. Excuse me, John Conner, a.k.a. because he terminated that other guy and he's played solid football this entire season. But I think he struggled in this game. But because the Steelers, as an offense, gave up on the run, I mean, okay. In the past, passing pass previous to that in the flat, that could have got picked. 
He had the critical drop. I think he had he had the drop on the game-winning drive. So I thought it was a spotty, inconsistent game by him. I thought this was his worst game of the year. So by, because of those mistakes that he made, I'm going to give him a two. Okay, yeah, it's tough. Like I said, you don't have the you don't have the consistency with running the football. And so if you're grading him as a receiver, I'm going to go a step further and say that I'm going to give him a one because when you're running back in the backfield, out of the backfield, and I think that for me, it was the third down play. I believe it was third down where Roethlisberger threw a really good pass, very catchable. And he gator armed it. He looked like he was waiting to get hit. It was a physical football game. He gator armed it, drops it. Steelers have to turn. I was on fourth down. So they turned it over on downs on that play. And then you have the touchdown where you could tell, Hey, there's certain times, certain scenarios, certain games against certain teams that you're seeing a player turn his head upfield because he wants to brace for that impact. And uh, so I'm going to give him a one overall because he, he didn't get the ball often in the running game. But if I'm grading him as a receiver, I shoot, he could get a zero. I mean, he, he didn't make a lot of plays in that area, but I'm going to give him a one. I hate to do that because, like I said, it's not all his fault. But at the same time, uh, that's what you have. Let's go to the receivers now. Antonio Brown, he finished five receptions, 117 yards. A lot of that yardage came on that 78-yard touchdown pass. Uh, he averaged 23.4 yards per catch. He had a touchdown, 13 targets headed his way. How do you grade Antonio Brown's day, Lance? I'm going to give Antonio Brown a two. The catch percentage was very low in this game. I know you're going up against Jalen Ramsey, and they missed a couple of opportunities on some double moves. In fact, I called the double move to Juju. I was talking to my dad at that time, and I was saying this is a double move because of the press coverage on the outside. It was an uneven game by A.B., but he did make a big play when they needed it. So I'm going to give A.B. a two. Um, I'm going to go two and a half because I agree with what you said. There were a couple passes where I felt he could have fought a little bit harder to at least try to break them up. Um, that's just one of those situations where as a receiver, sometimes you have to play defense. Um, and you know what though? He, he made a big play when it mattered. I thought the biggest play of the game wasn't the touchdown. I know that might sound crazy, but it was after James Connors drop in the fourth quarter on the game winning drive. It was the pass, that little seam route to Brown. It was a rub route. Vance McDonald got a good, Chip on uh, Jalen Ramsey going across the middle, takes him down to the two-yard line. We know how that finished. It was a huge play, huge catch and run. Uh, I liked what I saw from Brown in there. But like you said, two and a half. And to me, and this kind of goes back to Roethlisberger's day, I felt, and Lance, comment here if you agree or disagree, I felt that Roethlisberger, when things were going haywire and there were times where the pocket was collapsing, he's moving around, he went back into 2017 Ben, and his eyes went right to 84 every time. Uh, that can happen, not against defenses like this. Did you see that as well, or did you think that's just kind of happenstance of where they were, where he was being rushed from, et cetera? No, I agree. I thought he was forcing some throws, and I thought the throw that got picked in the end zone to A.B., the ball placement was bad as well in that throw, but I thought he was forcing some stuff to A.B., and I thought he was taking some chances that he didn't need to, particularly in a in which is not really threatening you particularly in the second half when they kind of had control of the running game, any chances there any risk in those spots. You can actually punt and punt it pretty well in this game that you could actually punt and go play defense because they had a good handle of the at that point in time. So I, I agree. I, I think he was taking some risks with he 
was pressing a bit. And going back to my Kamal's point, they, he was kind of playing his head, and it looked like sometimes. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully, this is not a we're not reverting back to last season where Brown was getting ridiculous targets uh, every single game. But the second leading receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster, eight receptions, one hundred and four yards, uh, along of thirty-five, which was the catch I referred to earlier. They got the team well inside Chris Boswell's field goal range. Eight catches on ten targets. Um, what do you grade Juju on this in this game, Lance? I give Juju a three. Uh, actually, I'm going to give Juju a 3.25. I thought Juju was huge in that final drive. I thought in terms of catch percentage, Juju was solid. Juju played a very good game. It was a physical game for Juju, too, because he took some hits over the middle uh, that I, you know, he might want to avoid and might want to slide in some of those situations. But that catch, back shoulder catch, was enough to give it a two-and-a-half grade. And I, Juju continues to play solid football. Juju is dependable. But I think what you're seeing with this offense, particularly against really good defenses like Jacksonville, they need a third wide receiver. I don't think Switzer's the guy, and Washington hasn't proven to be the guy either. They need a third wide receiver option that can take some pressure off of those two guys on the outside. And next week, when they play Denver, it's going to be critical that Gilbert comes back because Gilbert is one of the few guys that does a fantastic job on Von Miller. But that's next week. Juju, solid game, 3.25. Well, so let me ask you this. I mean, outside of scoring a touchdown, what did Juju not do in this game that would not give him a four? I just try not to give fours. Fours are perfect games. I think guys don't play perfect games typically. So I'm rarely going to give a guy a four. A four game is the burger head against Carolina. Four games for me are comic games. They don't come along too often. Typically, my high grade is going to be three and a half five but you've got to play a game like ben did five touchdowns to the 26 perfect quarterback ready to get up all right i see you well you know what for me um juju i'll give if i'm going to abide by your rules i'm going to give him a 3.75 he's really close to a four if he would have got in the end zone definitely would have given him that because those catches it, he is becoming and it, there are some growing pains with him and he does have those scenarios like against Baltimore where he had that drop on that skinny post down the middle, which could have gone for a touchdown. It, there are those moments where he has those issues, but my goodness, when it, the game seems to be on the line, the Steelers now have a very viable option other than Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster is impressing the heck out of me every single time he gets on the field. Tremendous game, tremendous player. All right, let's go down to the defensive side of things. I just want to read off some stats before we give out some individual grades. Uh, Vince Williams led the team with 10 total tackles. Uh, sacks, let's go over the sack totals. We had six total sacks of Blake Bortles. Tackles for losses, seven. They had two pass defenses and five quarterback hits. They were not able to register a turnover, mainly because Sean Davis can't catch a football. And so let's go over some key players um, I, I want to get your grade on Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave finished with four tackles, all solo, two sacks, two tackles for loss, a pass defense, and two quarterback hits. If you're grading Javon Hargrave's day with the office, Harry, what grade are you giving him? I'm going to give Hargrave a three. They were getting pushed around in the first half in the run game. But let me ask you, listeners, do you guys like one flat back or two flaps back? You know, I wore the scarf for you. You guys, 
that had your first snow and it started to get a little cold. I had to break out my little scarf. This is for you guys. We're dealing with our issues. It's still bad. I've been in the house all weekend because we've had air quality. This is in honor of you guys dealing with a cold. Our great the three, particularly because guys were intact, but he was going up against a backup, dominated backup. And one of the reasons why Jacksonville was passing the ball so much because they could not pass protect in any way, shape, or form and put heat on those boys, and it started up. All right, Lance, your sound is getting real spotty, so I want you to try to find a new spot there and uh, get that fixed. Um, so, yeah, he said that he gave Hargrave a uh, a three. Uh, I don't know. Was it a three or a three, seven, five? It was a three. It was okay, a three. three. Javon Hargrave, I thought, had a career game today, and he's a young player, third year in the league. He doesn't get a lot of opportunities. For some reason, in the first half, the Steelers were – solely devout spent on getting big Dan McCullers on the field and big Dan McCullers got to watch a lot of Leonard Fournette run right by him. So Javon Hargrave came in and the defense kind of changed a little bit. They started getting a little bit more push. I agree that he was going against a backup. I'm going to give him a three, seven, five. I thought he had a tremendous game. Um, Let's go to the outside linebackers here. Let's go to TJ Watt finished with six total tackles, two sacks, um, one tackle for loss. And he did force a fumble. I uh, almost had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. What are your grades on Mr. TJ Watt? Go to combine it too. Let's combine it too, Jeff. I yeah, think sure. the position played at three and a half. I think both guys were disruptive. Off of Bud Dupree, I thought a running game by playing downhill on the line of scrimmage, really selling out. I thought they played a tremendous in this game, particularly in the second half, they kept getting a ton of pressure. Spotty in the first half because of the running number, they really cranked it up and forced Jacksonville to limit the stuff that they could do in the passing game because, again, they could not against either one of those guys pressure on those tackles. I thought they played lights out, particularly in the second half. Don't look now, Lance, but his two sacks today gives T.J. Watt 10 on the season. We have uh, back-to-back years with a two or double-digit sack getter, and this is the first outside linebacker to do it since James Harrison did it. Um, I want to say that was he when he and Lamar Woodley were there together. Um, it was yes, yes. It's incredible. I, I, did, I just looked up his stats today because I kept on thinking to myself, he was close to 10, and he got two. He has 10. Um, I'll give him a, I'll give the position, like you said, a, a, I'll give him a three and a half, but I want to ask you real quick. What do you see? Let's say um, I give an over under line on TJ Watts sack totals with uh, 16. So 16 sacks. Do you say over or under for TJ Watt this season? I'm going to say under how many games left do they have? They're what? Seven, two and one. They got six games left. Yep. That's that's a good concern. That's, so that's a what? Uh, what are what? They're seven, two, and one. That's what, yeah. eight games. No, no, that's ten games. My math is they have terrible. Six games left. They got, they got six games left. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. I'm, I'm saying he'll finish with like fourteen and a half. Okay. I'll either take a push or over. I think he's gonna have a couple big games and 
make some plays, maybe have a couple more, uh, you know, multiple sack games. We'll see. But I tell you what, it's that's interesting. I just like, I can't believe he has ten sacks. That's going to be definitely noteworthy as we move on. Um, what about the inside linebackers? Uh, Vince Williams, he had. 10 total tackles. As I said, he did finish with a sack and a tackle for loss. Also had a pass defense in coverage and a quarterback hit. You go down to John Bostic, who had six tackles. No other real stats to mention. Um, you can go down to LJ Fort with two tackles. Um, what were your thoughts on the inside linebacker play, especially in the first half when they were getting gashed by the run? First half, because they were getting gashed by the run, I would give them a one. Second half, I thought they played really good and really corrected it and played really well in the second half and were really physical and thumping in the running game in the second half. And I thought the second half, the way the entire front play should dispel thoughts that Steeler fans have if they can stop the run. I think that they showed that they can absolutely do it in the second half. So I'm going to give the position three. But let me just comment on what you were saying, Jeff, about Watt's sack numbers. I believe the year that James Harrison won Defensive player of the year, I believe he had 16 and a half sacks, if I'm not correct. If he were to get 16 sacks, it would just be a tremendous year. And I think that would put him in position to possibly win defensive player of the year. It would be interesting. That's definitely a conversation. We uh, let, Let's write that down. We'll talk about that on a Wednesday show. Uh, this week as we prepare for the uh, Denver Broncos game in week 12. But let's continue with our grades here. Um, defensively, Lance, was there anyone else that you really wanted to target on grades? I know I wanted to target Sean Davis. Um, I thought Sean Davis has played tremendous this year. I thought he's been great this year. Has it finished with eight total tackles, six solo. Didn't think today was his best game. What did you see from Sean Davis and what's your grade? Davis is probably two and a half. He's got to intercept that pass. It was an interesting great, interesting game to grade the secondary given the fact that Jacksonville threw the ball, I believe, less than 20 times, maybe about 17 times. So it, 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 they were part of the game, but, but I think you could probably grade them more from a tackling perspective. I thought they tackled okay. So I would just give the secondary in general probably a two and a half. I don't think it was a game that they participated much in. I thought another guy that I wanted to point out was Cam Hayward. I thought Cam Hayward was cooking Absolutely. in the second yeah. half as well. Him and Hargrave were eating out there, and they were getting a full meal. The Steelers are going to need Stefan Suet back, though, to really complete that defensive front. As, as good as a backup as Tyson Alulu is, he's definitely not the force that Stefan Tuit is uh, along the defensive line. So it'll be... Hey, like you always say, if you can win ugly, you can correct and move forward, and then you're not sitting there chewing on a really bad loss to a, a, a team that's struggling. Um, I do want to give a, just a quick tip of the cap um, to a guy that I hate on regularly on this show and on our Standards and Standards show. I thought he had the best game of the season. Might have been the best game of his career because they <laughs> needed it. It's Jordan Berry. It is Jordan Berry. The Steelers' offense was so bad, he was called on to punt six times in this game. He only had one touchback and averaged 51 yards and one inside the 20, had a long of 63. I just, we're not, we don't need to grade Jordan Berry because he's a punter, but I just wanted to give him props because I'm firmly a believer in if you're going to criticize someone when they're doing bad, you need to give them props when they're doing well. And that's what I always like to say. So in this case, 
props to Jordan Berry. Lance, you can say what you want. I thought he did a tremendous job today. In the words of a famous Motown, second that emotion. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Let's let's talk about some other stats here, some team stats before we go into some questions with our live re- live watchers and listeners on YouTube. This is some really poor garbage stats for the Steelers. Um, in terms of third down efficiency, they finished three for eleven. But on the flip side, the defense six for eighteen held Jacksonville on the uh, defensive side of the ledger. Uh, so they did a good job there. Fourth down efficiency for Pittsburgh zero for two. Um, Total plays, it, it was so lopsided at one point, it actually evened itself out in the fourth quarter. The Steelers end up with 60 plays to Jacksonville, 67. Um, total drives are even at 14. Yards per play, Pittsburgh 5.4, Jacksonville 3.6. Um, the Steelers with 26 rushing yards wow, is just wow. awful. Wow, um, 3.6 yards per play. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that might be the any team this year. That's terrible. that's unbelievable in an average three point six. That's Blake Bortles at his finest. So you know, you look to keep going down the stat line, and there was a time in this game where I la- I literally was writing the game recap, and I kept on thinking about the Steelers' red zone offense and how it's number one in the league, and it's looking tremendous. And I was think, well, they're not going to move down because they're not going to get in the red zone. Uh, nonetheless, they did. They finished two for three in the red zone. Jacksonville's only trip resulted in a touchdown. They were one for one. Here's a key aspect of the game, in my opinion, and those were penalties. The Steelers, believe it or not, played a very clean game, relatively speaking. Three penalties for 15 yards. Listen to this. The Jacksonville Jaguars were penalized 11 times for 111 yards. Again, 11 times for 100 and 11 yards that was amazing and some of those were absolutely crucial penalties um, a lot of jaguar fans were probably going to yell and scream about the multiple d uh, personal fouls the roughing the passer call which i thought was was not necessary they had two personal fouls for well no, i'm sorry the one was for a late hit i'm pretty sure roethlisberger threw a pick to jalen ramsey on that drive so it didn't equate to points there so if you're going to complain you can complain but if you have to, if you're going to complain you want to complain about something that's actually tangible um you did have the penalties in the end zone defensive holding that was a, that was a hold uh the the call on switzer was justifiable um so lance what were your thoughts on some of the penalties called did you think it was a little too one-sided for you or do you think they were justifiable I think it was just got away with a couple that they didn't call. Uh, I thought the hit on the, the sack by Ndokwe, he drove him into the ground. I, I thought that was, should have been a penalty, a rough in the pass or the way they're calling it now. And there was a hit that Miles Jack put on. I believe it was, I believe it was Juju Smith-Schuster coming off the, across the middle when he hit him with his forearm in the helmet. And So yeah. I think they could have got called for personal plays as well. So I think it was about right. You know, Jacksonville did not play a, a polished, disciplined brand. Of, you're averaging 3.6 yards per play. You cannot give back yards to, to another team. No, not no. <laughs> definitely not. It's definitely one of those situations where, um, you know, it, it, the penalties are the penalties. And I thought that was a very Vontez perfect hit <laughs> that you were talking about, the forearm shiver uh, to, um, I think it was Juju Smith-Schuster across the middle. It just was very unnecessary. I was surprised uh, that wasn't flagged because it was right in front of the officials. Um, so, all right, 
enough of us jabbering on. It's time for those that are watching live on YouTube to get a little say in the action and, and what we talk about. And now's the time where if you have questions for the show, go ahead and fire away. Um, there's a lot of people that are angry with you, Lance, about your connection, um, which is not good today. But Lance, you, you can find him on Twitter and you can DM him or do whatever you want to do and take it up with him. Um, he needs to get a new internet provider. Uh, so here we go. Questions for the show. Any injuries to note was one. Um, I did not get to watch uh, Mike Tomlin's press conference um, and whether there were any injuries. I'm, I didn't see anyone leave the game. I didn't see anyone that was possibly, you know, in and out of the, the game. You know, sometimes you'll hear of the, uh, like, uh, if there's a, uh, the Baltimore game when Juju Smith-Schuster had to leave and he came back. I didn't see any of those. So hopefully on the injury front, it's nothing but, as Mike Tomlin will call it, bumps and bruisers. Bumps and bruisers. I say bruisers because I'm reading the next question about Vance McDonald, but bumps and bruises. But be sure to check out behind the steel curtain. We'll have any updates for you on the injury front. Um, here we go. That's the next question. That's why I said bruiser. And uh, Daryl wants us to grade Vance McDonald's performance today, Lance. Um, Lance, he finished with a touchdown. Um, I want to say he had a couple key. He had very. It's a lot of key. Uh, conversions there on that third and that final drive. What are you grading uh, the Vanimal? I'm going to give the Vanimal a 3.25 merely on that catch. That catch was fantastic. That was a catch that there's probably only a few tight ends in the National Football League that can make that catch. He's one of them, and the Vanimal is a nickname that is absolutely appropriate. Yes, I agree. And I, I would grade Vance McDonald, like you said, 3.75. There are still some moments where um, he kind of looks like he's just kind of watching the play. And those might not be common, but it's still, it, it, you'd like to see a little bit more. I'll say 3.75 as well. That catch was tremendous. Very similar to his touchdown on Thursday Night Football, although he secured this one a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I thought Vance McDonald had a tremendous game. Now let's go to the next question. Someone said, are there any... Um, well, there's two questions about the upcoming games, any upcoming trap games. And they think is, the, is the chargers game, the next big game. So let me run down the upcoming schedule. It can get crazy for a lot of people. There's a lot of been, there's been a lot of time changes with the games and schedule. So here's what's coming up for the Steelers in week 12. They continue on the road. They go to Denver mile high to play the Broncos. That is a four point, a four point, a four 25 PM schedule start for Eastern standard time. Week 13, they come back home. This is in December. Uh, they play host to the Los Angeles Chargers at 820. That's a Sunday night football game that was flexed back on CBS to Sunday night football. Then after that, they go across country to Oakland to play the Raiders in Oakland for the last time. That's a 425 start as well. That was moved, That was originally scheduled for a Sunday night game. It was bumped up, but it's still considered an afternoon game. So the next three games, I'm sorry, the only, let me just make this easier on everyone. The only one o'clock game they have remaining on the schedule is their week 17 game <laughs> against the Cincinnati Bengals um, because all the other games are either night games or 425 starts. So they go at Denver, home for the Chargers, at the Raiders, home for the Patriots, at the Saints, and then home for the Bengals to finish it out. So Lance, the question was trap games to me. If I'm looking at trap games, it's the two teams with the losing records. That's Denver and that's Oakland, um, especially Oakland because it's at Oakland and I, they just never play well in Oakland. Um, but nonetheless, the team is 7-2-1. and one. Do you see any trap games coming up or do you think that's all hogwash? 
hogwashing listeners. My connection is bad, but Jeff's reading is bad. Yes, yeah, which one good. is worse? It's not well. Which, they which, can at least hear me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's see here. Let's just. I have a question for you, Lance. Six games left. Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Patriots, Saints, Bengals. How many wins? How many losses? I told you the only two losses will be against the Patriots and the Saints. So what is that? Four wins? It'd be four and two down the stretch. Yeah. So you would have them finishing 11-2 and one? 11-5 and one. See, his math oh, is gee, bad as well. No, 11-4 and one, right? Is that what Jeff, you said? do that math again. Do that <laughs> math again, Jeff. 11-5 and one. See, his That's math just... is bad. And re- no. you said 11 4. There's 16 one. games, Lance. There's 16 games. It can't be 11 5 and yeah. 1. Yeah, you're right. My math is bad. <laughs> That's 17. <laughs> that is terrible. Yeah. Look, I'm a yes, fitness guy, yes. man. I've never claimed to be a math guy. That is you. That is you, Mr. That Tech. Is, That's man. you. <laughs> that is. That is. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, at least you can count reps better than yes. me. So. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should That's stick. Terrible. Maybe we should stick to talking just about football and not let's leave let's leave numbers out of it. This post game show and gets a little de- too numbers. And I was for sure, Jeff. I was <laughs> definitely too. I was, I was like eleven five and one. That's sixteen. <laughs> it's no, a damn tie, man. It's a damn tie that gets caught in the play. It's the tie. I hope you guys heard that because that was pure comedy. Yeah, and people are giving me a hard time. One plus one equals two. I think. I don't know, man. That's bad. <laughs> I'm giving the, uh, the the dumb jock thing of real some legs here. Uh, <laughs> some people are saying Lance are playing as bad as the Steelers did in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, my math is bad, man. My math is bad. I do want to apologize. I, I think I'm going to make the shift, man. I think I'm going to Comcast. DirecTV stinks. I think I'm going to that 150 megabits per second, man. I can't take this. Okay. Um. So here we go. Uh, now let's uh, go. Let me. There's a lot of people making fun of us here, as we should be made fun of. So let's let's go back and find some uh, questions here. Um. What's okay, someone so, yeah, no. What's three I, plus two? Five. No, I'm, I passed. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt says that he said Tomlin uh, said that Anthony Chiquilla had an ankle uh, late on a special teams play. Uh, so that'll be something to watch, especially with the Steelers only carrying three outside linebackers. You have to wonder if they would have to make a move. Um, I hope that he would be okay. Uh, we'll see. That's definitely a lot of people want to ask about um, Ryan Switzer. What are your thoughts on Ryan Switzer? I think more as a, let's be honest, a returner in the NFL anymore is someone that is reliable to catch fair, to fair catch the punt and to maybe give you a spark every now and then. There's no more Devin Hester's in the league because they've basically taken the kickoff out of the game. So what are your thoughts on Switzer as a receiver with this team? He's a cute little player. But he's not the guy that you want on the field. You want James Washington to be on the field. You want that second-round guy to take that step forward and bring the element of being able to stretch the field. You want that guy on the field. He's a trick guy, play, RPO-type guy. That's what you want him for on offense. 
I mean, preferably, again, you, you'd rather have James Washington out there playing. Uh, but let me ask you, Jeff, why was Jordan Dangerfield playing? Did somebody get hurt? I, I didn't hear them say anything. Believe it or not, Jordan Dangerfield is in their goal line package, and the Steelers, to stop the run in the second half, played with almost a goal line defense type look. You'll have to watch it on the All-22 when Dan McCullers would come in. I think I think they kept McCullers in, but the Jordan Dangerfield actually plays in the Steelers' goal line defense. Okay. And so they had him out there on specific occasions where they wanted to sell out and stop the run. And for the life of me, I still can't believe that it worked. Um, a goal line defense should get shredded down the field, and the Jaguars just couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it, uh, which is a good lead into a question that we had. Um, the Steelers bad against the run. Do you think that's going to be an issue moving forward, or is this game just a fluke? I don't, but I think it, it hinges on Stephon Tewitt's health because Alu-Alu, a solid guy, Cal player, Cal alum, go Cal Bears, bowl eligible, oh, awesome. Big game got canceled due to the weather. We would have beaten Stanford, but, you know, we'll beat Stanford next week. And LJ Walton is not good in the interior. He gets pushed around. So I think it hinges on Stuart, uh, to its health. Excuse me. If he's back, they'll play it well. If he's not back, they may struggle with it. I just don't like LJ Walton subbing in for a Lulu. I, I don't like it because he's lighting the booty inside. If you're if you're listening to this and you're wondering who's LJ Walden, well that player doesn't exist. He's thinking of LT Walden, but it's still the same point. So he's never been good with names. TJ, well you can call me <laughs> LT, L, LT Walden. T, and you can call me J. And you, myself, our young listeners don't know who that guy is, but go look up on YouTube. I forget the guy's name. You remember that guy, Jeff? I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Can call me Ray, and you can call me. Yeah, well, uh, older listeners know that guy. Forget that guy. Get a career off of it. Must not have been that memorable then. But anyway, <laughs> let's go with the next question. That is, are you concerned with James Conner and his pass catching capabilities after had those two drops today? Not, not at all. Everybody's allowed to drop. Not at all. This kid can play football. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think that James Conner is going to learn from it. He's going to get better. Um, and I was waiting for, and they said it, the Le'Veon Bell stuff. Oh, Le'Veon Bell probably makes that catch. Yeah, shut up. You know, that's one of those things where Bell's, I don't want to talk about that guy. So there you go. Um, what What do you think about, um, well, someone said, uh, is it, there's a question about going for two on the first touchdown. Um, I, you had to. I think they were down 16 to nothing. You want to make it a, a one-score game, so you score a touchdown. Instead of chasing nine, you want to be chasing eight. So you go for two. They didn't get it. The play was awful. Um, but, you know, there you have it. I think, you, Lance, you pretty much agree with that, right? Man, I can't add 11, 5, and 1, man. What do I know about percentages? That's true. Very so true. I'm just, I'm just going to leave that alone. I said 11, 5, and 1 was 16. So who knows? Oh, I have a question for you. This is just for me. What, what was your play of the game? If you could say to one one play that wasn't the touchdown to by Roethlisberger, let's not include that. What was your play of the game, the play that you thought this really turned the tide? The back shoulder catch to Juju. I yeah. think once they got that play, I, I think they thought they were going to win the game. 
you know, my dad is a big body language guy, and he didn't like the body language of the players. But I, I think when they hit that play, I, I think they really believed that they were going to make a play and win the game. Yeah, I, uh, that's a good one. To me, if, and this could definitely go into the body language, they, what you were just talking about, it would also be the Antonio Brown pass that followed the James Conner drop because he would have literally walked into the end zone. I mean, he, James Conner would have scored a touchdown, would have helped my FanDuel team out a lot, um, but that's beside the point. Um, but he would have literally walked in the end zone, would have tied, would have gone and given the lead. But instead, the next play from scrimmage, he hits Antonio Brown over the middle. That was the game. That was the play for me. Now, I did want to ask you another question. This was about time management. A lot of people wanted Tomlin to use a timeout before the two-minute warning. I knew what he was thinking. Hear me out. I guarantee if they ask Tomlin, and I'll have to go back and watch the press conference to see if he actually was asked this, I guarantee he said, look, I trusted our defense was going to get a stop and that we were going to, I wanted to give my offense a timeout. And I, I get that. That makes total sense because, you know, when you have the ball and you're going to need a field goal, you want to have to be, you want to have the middle of the field accessible to you. So I want to ask you about that. And then I'm going to also ask you about what did you think about after the big completion to Juju, them lining up and spiking the ball rather than running a play. Uh, what are your thoughts on the time management down the stretch for the Steelers? Well, well, first of all, in general, Tomlin is as good as time management as I am in addition, which means he's not very good. I thought the clocking was terrible on the second play. I thought that they should have called timeout before the two-minute because you get a timeout with the two-minute. So I thought they should have called timeout there. I think it worked out in their favor. If he, if his mindset was the thinking that you had, I could see it, but I would have probably called the timeout for 42 minutes. Yeah. Okay, so what about the spiking of the football? I mean, do you think they should run a play? Oh, that was terrible. That, that, that was terrible. They should have ran a play. That was, that was absolutely terrible to take all that time to clock it. They should have ran a play. And I thought they should have ran the ball as well. Uh, you know, I thought they should have called a running play to Connor with the two timeouts down there. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't like how they executed there, but they got in and they were lucky. I think and fortunate to get the touchdown in that situation. Yeah, I, it's the, the, the run. The run could have worked. I definitely would have supported running it because you had the timeout. But he, I, I felt that the Jags had been stopping the run. So well, I understood why they were throwing it. But Ben played awful in the first half. So you can justify him not throwing it as well. So, you know, this was I'm going to chalk this up to one of those games where. You just look back and you really can't explain it. Where you're just kind of like, what in the world just happened, you know? And um, those you have those games in the National Football League. You have those games where all of a sudden you're you're trying to figure out how like how in the world did that just happen? But it did. Steelers win. They moved to seven two and one. And other AFC North scores. The only other teams to play were the Bengals and Ravens. They played one another. The Ravens hold serve at home. Now both of those teams are five and five. Now we have, and I say we as the Steelers, are looking at a two and a half game cushion in the AFC North. That is mighty, mighty fine as the Steelers prepare for week 12. So Lance, anything to add to our f- listeners uh, before we call it a show? Go Steelers, baby, seven, two, and one. And happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys coming up next week. We got another show 
on Wednesday. So we'll talk to you guys before Thanksgiving. But if you guys don't join in, and I know you're going to join in, happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And for me, I want to give a quick lay down of the land. So for the Steelers, uh, they're going to play the Broncos next Sunday at 425. But this week is a little bit of a slight adjustment to the schedule. Tomorrow, Monday, you'll have the Steelers hangover with Brian and Tony. On Tuesday, you'll have Brian and myself for a Steelers preview. And then on Wednesday, Lance and I will be back for the standard as a standard. And the reason for that is because of the holiday on Thursday. Um, and so there you have it. Folks, I, I thank you for spending some time with us. If you're first-time listeners uh, on YouTube, understand that we're also on several podcast platforms. Make sure that you follow us on all of those. We're talking everything from um, Art19, Stitch, Google Play, Spotify, you name it, we're there. If you don't know we're on YouTube, follow us there. It's, just go to YouTube and search BTSE Steelers Radio. We thank you for listening. Steelers win. It's a good day. It's going to be another. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin so go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes get lucky today at luckylandslots.com available to players in the u.s excluding washington and michigan no purchase necessary vgw group void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply